0: This podcast is brought to you by Google for Games. It takes more than a collection of tools to help you bring your gaming vision to life. With cross-platform solutions that give you access to billions of potential players around the world, Google is your partner to create great games, connect with players, and scale your business. Visit g.co slash Google for Games or go to the link in the podcast description below. And if you ask me, Google for Games is the destination to learn more about game solutions and latest research and insights from Google's gaming teams to help you achieve your goals. If you're not driving or working out while listening to this podcast, I really suggest you fire up that browser and check out Google for Games. Let's pause this podcast for a moment, because I need to talk to you. That's right, you. Are you ready? Good. So you're an indie game developer, and you need funding to help you launch and market your game. No problem, right? There should be one place where you can get funding and resources, but there really hasn't been one until now. Our friends at Exola have launched Exola Funding Club, which you should check out ASAP. Sola Funding Club is matchmaking service for developers, investment firms, and groups, as well as video game publishers. They have a simple process. Developers apply to join the funding club. Once they're accepted, their applications are sent directly to interested investors looking to invest into video games. Games just like yours. It's a win-win situation. Qualified developers get their game pitches placed in front of funding sources while investors discover curated games that meet their criteria for the investment portfolio. Ready to get started? Just head over to exoma.pro/funding, or find the link in the episode description and apply today. Exoma Funding Club. Putting the fun back in funding. Welcome, 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 everybody, to This Week in Games, episode 194. Today we have a special guest, and it's Matej Lancharic, who thousands of you saw, giving an amazing talk in Istanbul about soft-launching mobile games. He's an UI expert extraordinaire. Matej, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, I hope I, I'm a UI expert, but I'm UI expert. Wait UA a minute, expert, you're not UI
0: expert? Okay, yeah. let's <laughs> <laughs> just, sorry about <Yeah>. <laughs> that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, let's cut it. <laughs> let's cut it. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for having me here, actually. And uh, just briefly, I've been in the industry for like nine years. It's not that long. I worked at various companies, but I worked as a UA consultant for last five-ish years soft lounge and global lounge around 30 games and uh some of them were killed in the process so also the fun part and have my own creative team of 12 motion designers but most importantly i'm also a host of no bullshit gaming podcast and half gamers with felix (laughs) Where we share knowledge from our day-to-day job, yeah, with Felix and Jakub. So it's all about UI, right. Edmond, and, and game design. Again, thanks As always, for welcome,
0: to welcome to the uh, the audio event. Uh, we'll see you in the uh, the physical events as well. And yeah. for the rest of the crew, yeah, we got yeah, Laura yeah. back in the house. We got Eric Kress, always in the house. I thought you were in in Europe right now. What's going on?
2: Oh, it's uh, that's happening on Friday. We're going to France. Oh. Italy and uh, Monaco. Well,
0: people can't wait to have (laughs) you over on the old continent.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Evidently, and um, I guess I'm gonna have to like have them settle for a hundred grand a year to uh, survive in uh, in France and Germany. But um, with with our mice, not salaries. See how friendly the reception is. (laughs) And then Laura going to old Europe. So so Laura,
0: where are you right now? Because every time we we record this podcast, you are usually on a different continent.
3: So I, I go between the same, generally the same places. I think last mm-hmm. week I was in Helsinki mm-hmm. uh, when I wasn't on the podcast, but this week I'm back in oh, Seattle nice. and I'll be here for the next two, uh, next two weeks.
0: Oh, nice. Oh, nice. How's the weather? Gray?
3: It's just Gray. like London. Yeah. It's just depressing. <laughs> I just find, find my new London Changing. in the state. Yeah. It's great.
0: <laughs> it's like, how about, how about the, uh, the homeless situation? As much more? Like what's the, uh, the over under there?
3: The, the homes? You mean in terms of like rents?
0: No, homelessness.
3: Oh, the homelessness. Oh, I didn't hear you. Um, it, it's it's incredibly sad. I won't lie. I don't want to break. You know, I don't want to be a, a too much of a downer. But it is it no. is it's a bit rough downtown, um, and mm-hmm. it's very sad to see. It's very that's <laughs> different from London. I think London it's takes it. a bit more care I, for, it, for its uh, people. I,
2: I thought I thought San Francisco was bad, but Seattle was eight hundred times yeah. worse really? because there's basically no one really? downtown. It is fucking what? horrific. It is horrific. S- so Seattle, we're talking maybe. Seattle downtown but As- not Bellevue, right? So no, 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 no. Dude, the the suburbs, the suburbs are beautiful. Yeah. What are you talking about? It's just downtown. All
0: right. Uh so I don't want to bring everybody down. Sorry. I have to ask about that in time. Anyways, uh three articles today we're going to cover. Um first one, we're going to talk about Rockstar Games cleaning up its frat boy culture and Grand Theft Auto as well. Uh, We're going to talk about Google announcing their new Play Store policies around intrusive ads, impersonations, and all of that. And we're going to touch upon a Pocket Gamer article on how to make great free-to-play mobile games in three steps. Super easy. Uh, So, should we kick off with with updates, Chris?
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'll just do a quick update. As I said, we're coming to Europe. Actually, never mind. We don't need to to do this update. Um, but I did get a little bit of a flack from um, my hundred thousand dollar comment was seeming like a low salary for uh, for Europe, well particularly compared to North America. So I I got some feedback on the Slack channel. So excuse my ignorance for how wonderful it is in Europe to uh, survive on a hundred thousand um, dollars because of free health care and and other benefits that you get, including fifty percent brackets, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I I have to admit, I am an ignorant American. I am born and raised in San Francisco. I'm fourth generation. So this is all I've seen from a work perspective. Um, and uh, my my kind of expectations are set around what happens around here. And I will tell you that uh, we make a lot more money than you guys do,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> just but, generally okay. speaking. And now it may it may not go as far, which is the point that everyone was trying to make. But uh, but yeah. we. I think for like some of these middle-tier type people, it's like two, two hundred thousand, two fifty, somewhere around there. Um, but then again, rents are like five, six grand. So, you know, there you go. There's where yeah, it all goes. Go. But uh, anyway, just wanted to clarify and acknowledge my American arrogance and ignorance at the same time. Um, so there you go. I mean, just Apology. as
3: going back and forth between London and Seattle, it. I won't lie. I mean, London, you go, just the cost of living is very different. Rents are expensive in both, in both cities. However, if I go to, you know, a nice grocery store in Seattle, I'm spending 50 to $100. Easy, easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was looking yesterday, hand soap was seven bucks, like it's the nicer hand soap. That's $7. It's expensive. You go to the boots in the (laughs) UK, it's still like a pound, two pounds. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a difference.
0: Yeah. yeah, and London is one of the most right, expensive cities. And by the way, I have to touch upon. I, I I'm seeing Cress's notes, and it says he's going to Monaco. I'm very interested to hear. Is it your first time in Monaco?
2: Yeah, I have a friend who has a few apartments there, okay. so I'm going to be staying with him. And obviously, anybody who has apartments in Monaco is very wealthy. So he's going to, he's going to be showing us. <laughs> that. I, I want to
0: hear. I want to hear uh, your so your uh, your opinion of Monaco. I'm not going to say mine, but um, I'm I'm curious of that yeah, in a couple of we- in couple of weeks. You'll hear a little rant from SF Eric about the uh, the crown jewel of, of Mediterranean oh, yeah. 100%. wealthiness. One hundred percent mate right, well, we'll see
2: and, I'll, I'll have lots to talk about because yeah. particularly because i'm going to france and i always have many things to say about the french so
0: yeah um, yeah who doesn't uh, <laughs> mate, <laughs> uh okay. any updates on your side
1: exactly <laughs> no personal updates from uh, uh, any uh, traveling but i do have some updates on the apple side and google side actually so um, apple announced they're expanding the ad placements so um, the new ad opportunity, yeah, exactly. Yeah, dude, just wait, <laughs> it's a, it's a basic joke ever. So they are expanding the ad placement to today's tab, which is the, the featuring placement. Uh, and they uh, confirm that it's kind of dying. So you know how to improve it, you place ads on it. Uh, but then there's the quote from the article, and this is, I, I think, the biggest joke ever. Like, According to Apple, both ad placements have been a tremendous success for developers, helping them find users who may be interested in their apps and games. The expansion of app opportunities in the App Store is the part of the company's effort to maintain the App Store as the best place for developers to grow their businesses. Yeah, well, I'm not sure about that. Actually, my comment is uh, the Apple Search has, is not such a great uh, UA channel for games. I mean, it works well for apps, but I have to say that. So for games, it's just absolutely terrible. <laughs> it's not scalable that much. And it relies heavily on the on the keyword search volume. So it's intent-based. So if your game is super small or it's super niche, then uh, you know, people are not even trying to find it. So even after all these IDFA shenanigans, it can be a part of the the UA strategy, but definitely and not not, not not the main pillar of uh, of the UA. Uh, so yeah, Dude, fun stuff. We
2: we are in a fucking <laughs> parallel universe on this shit right now. I mean, is it? it, it <laughs> yeah. Am I crazy? It's like they are just completely like pulling all this bullshit on advertisers. Yeah, and completely destroying the ecosystem, <laughs> and then giving out breadcrumbs for fucking search on their goddamn site and yeah. putting ads on the fucking discovery. Yeah. And, and this all assumes that there's some kind of fucking organic traffic to the store that's happening, right? That that most of the traffic of the store was being driven by UA to begin with, right? It's like, what, yeah. what planet are we living on that this is okay and that like everyone's just accepting that this is going to be the new world order, right? Fucking hell, dude. It's like yeah, crazy. You, you, it's crazy. Okay. It just gets worse and it worse crazy. and worse. And so they're competing directly against um ad tech providers or, or advertisers yeah. with their bullshit store stuff which is fucking horrific because the store is a joke <laughs> like what what is going on
1: you know, the like, how a joke. is
2: this how is this being accepted is yeah. okay I, anyway sorry i didn't even read that when you put this.
1: look so if you if you compare the uh, the featuring effect like today and a couple of years ago like today you're gonna get a couple of thousands installs yeah. and like very low revenue And then, like a couple of years ago, it's like super, super powerful. It's a fucking joke. It's like,
2: it was like, because it used to go for like a week, like featuring was like really valuable. Now it's like a day or
1: two. It is, it is for a week. But yeah, the two day stab is actually one day. And it's not all like worldwide, it can be in different countries. And if you get the tier three placement, then you're going going to get loads of installs, but zero revenue. Zero revenue. I I know
2: the (laughs) Apple guys listen to this podcast, and I know I'm not really blaming them. I know this is, again, I've said this a million times, it's like the tail wagging the dog. It's not like they have any control about what they're doing on the store. But this is just becoming just absolutely untenable, you know?
1: Yeah, it's an, yeah, it's annoying as well. And I, I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to announce, like, creating an ad network or, or whatever. Of course they are. We'll see. But yeah.
0: as a capitalist, 100%. you have to say that this is a good move, right? Wouldn't you agree, Chris?
1: <laughs> of course. I mean, they're going to get so much, yeah, yeah so yeah, much so. money. On that, on
2: that,
0: on that and as a shareholder.
2: Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it really depends on how much the uh, the <laughs> app store stabilizes from a, a revenue perspective. But if we see continued declines in the store, lack of growth um, from a, um, in-app purchase stuff, I don't know if the ad tech, maybe the ad side will offset that to some degree, but they definitely get control of the store, right? They get control of the traffic and and. and how customers interact um, with the store. So, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's still great for Apple and Apple shareholders. Mm-hmm. So, you know, buy Apple, right? But um, it's certainly not good for everyone else.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, I, I do try to buy Apple <laughs> once <in> a while. <laughs> a, little, a little bit more and more. They are great as, as, a, as a corporation in that sense. Um, Mate, uh, there, was, uh, there was something about Google joining the 20-plus S- yeah. SDK by bidders.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is the, the other update, uh, which many of us didn't find uh, such a, like a big news, but then Felix talked about it in our latest episode. Uh, why is it super big news? So, the guy, Google AdMob is launching Bitter and Upload in Max. So, you could only have free AdMob placements in the bot- waterfall per country before in uh, the third party mediations. And that kind of limits the, the ability to, to get proper inventory and the fill, fill rate. And they use this for pushing their own mediation, AdMob, obviously. So you can, you know, they said, uh, the account manager said, you can have as many AdMob placements as you want in the AdMob mediation. So come on. But with AdMob uh, bidding coming to max, this means more inventory, not just uh, those free placements, which leads eventually to to more revenue. So just briefly, it's kind of like interesting move. And um, you know there is a super detailed uh, explanation by felix uh if you wanna
0: and what's the name tuning. of the podcast again Two and a half, two gamers. And a half so gamers for more details. You know, because
1: yeah i'm sure this fuck yep. dude for so more, for more details
0: two and a half gamers so so check check one <laughs> that one out for uh for this type of stuff um a yeah, little update on my side again i'm i'm nice. ra- <laughs> i'm drumming this even though it's it's over drum so the gamescom event on 24th that's wednesday <laughs> in cologne germany so uh there were a couple of questions that i'm going to answer here as well uh there, there was first of the question was is there food and drinks come on guys of course there's food and drinks like that is is it's not a silly question it's actually a very legit question but
1: is is it written on the, sure. the description i'm not sure it wasn't it wasn't so that was actually Matei, not. you raised that up actually yeah. on
0: the slack as well and other people were, because if there wouldn't be food and drinks, you would come in very late. But because there's plenty of food and drinks, you should come in early. Um, secondly, I got a lot of DMs regarding people can't sign up. Um, we were, so we were at first of all at half capacity, meaning like we took half of the space and that got filled up. Then we took all the space, that's 400 uh, seats. That got all filled up. And now on Monday, we released 200 more tickets and now those are gone as well. So, so we are we're gonna we're gonna have 800 people in a 400 people event. Um, I'm sure all of them won't come, but but we're pretty pretty full. Uh, now there is a waiting list, so you can still register and put your name on the waiting list. And even today, I approved a lot of uh, good friends of the of the deconstructor fund to the uh, to attend the event. So please keep on putting putting your name there. And and um, um, I don't know if you can cancel your ticket if you're not coming, but uh, but we'll keep on letting people in. And it makes sense also to to come by, and if you come by early, you're probably gonna get in if it's if it's so full. But wait, 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 when yeah. is this thing? But this is next month, August twenty fourth. Gamescom. It's like the uh, the, it's not GDC. It's like a PAX. It's PAX in Cologne. It's a consumer facing event.
3: I know.
1: Are you August. living in the past? It's already Sorry. August. It's already August, Sorry. It's already oh, August, August man. You're living September. in July? Maybe, Next maybe, I, should, maybe <laughs> I should
0: come
2: to this thing.
1: Oh, oh, You'll be in your
2: <laughs> <this laughs> It's going to be a riot, dude. You should come. Yeah. It's, it's going to be. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm back on. I'm, I'm back on the nineteenth. Oh, so I, I should have come, stayed though. for just a
1: couple of more. Yeah. But it's in September,
2: you said,
3: right? No, it's August twenty-fourth.
1: No, it's on August. It's like he's living in July. No, can't do that. Wait a minute. I can't go
2: right back. Yeah,
0: it's this month. It's this month. Sorry, I'm so. It's August yeah, it's, 20 yeah, yeah. 24th. So Wednesday this this month uh, August 24th. Anyways, there's a link in the description uh, Just right. sign up. It's going to be fun. We got we got two panels. I'm coming up with a I'm not going <laughs> to It's going it's there's going to be a, this is going to be a pretty unique panel. So there's going to be some some fun little um, I wouldn't say a drinking game, but you know, just something to to pay more attention on on some keywords that oh. are being said, and maybe you have to take a sip when when the panelists say it. So just keeping the event very very light, very fun. So if you're all about having having a good time, this is it. There's it's it's fun, it's NaviK and it's Phoenix Games. So we're doing this event together, and it's gonna be a riot. Um, other you know <laughs> important updates: Concept Ventures launched a $60 million pre-seed fund for UK gaming ventures. Now, the pre-seed fund is known as The Fund. I wouldn't say that's a super creative name, but very uh, very well describing <laughs> what they're doing. Uh, the Fund is backed by the British Business Bank and is one of the few pre-seed investments in the UK dedicated to gaming. The target investment size is around 500k, and they are looking to get 15% of the company for the investment. Now, I'm raising this especially because I really love the transparency that they have on their site. Uh, they share the overview of their process, how they evaluate founders, very clearly outline what they're looking for in terms of a product and market fit, the founding team, the business economics, the deal terms. So if you want to check them out, it's conceptventures.vc, but they are mainly, if not fully, to my knowledge, focused on the UK market. Uh, so, so do check them out. Uh, looks, looks pretty interesting. Um, also, two mobile games passed pretty important milestones. Diablo Immortal. We were just talking about. (laughs) Chris was saying that Diablo has never shipped a good free-to-play game. Diablo Immortal uh, has generated 100 million in lifetime revenue, and that's only in two months. And net revenue is climbing at a very, very nice pace, while downloads are falling at the same time. And this naturally speaks of good Uh. retention and monetization of the game. (laughs) And we also don't know how much. Stop! 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 I'm gonna finish this. No, I'm gonna giving all the props to Blizzard. (laughs) I don't know how, like this is 100 mil only on mobile in net revenue. There's still the PC SKU that can make anywhere between 10 up to 50% of all this revenue. So, Di- so it, it, Diablo Immortal is a good game. I'm going on a limb and I'm saying it. It's it's a, not only in terms of gameplay, but as a business case. Eric Kress, what do you want to say about Diablo Immortal? <laughs>
2: uh, I, just, I, I just want to clarify two things. One, first of all, Blizzard did not make Diablo Immortal, right? So. They they have not made a native mobile mobile game yet on their own, so let's be clear on that. That's that's a uh, fake news. And then this
1: well not all, on their own. They said like they are, they worked really yeah, close with me. Like, no. whatever that means. Whatever that means. Yeah, whatever, no. means, yeah, whatever yeah.
2: it means. And then the second thing is that um, I will agree that it has done better than I expected, generally speaking. But um, if you look at the U.S., you can see that the, the revenue is starting to decline, and retention is an issue with this game. I've been told by many people, so it's not it's they, they are having retention issues, but the uh, spend depth is really high. So I think that's helping, uh, you know, maintain these high level, higher levels of revenue with, with these uh, the whales. So we'll see how long it can stay. But now they're launched in, in Asia. And what you're seeing is you're seeing these downloads and revenue uh, driven from lots of territories in Asia um, that are helping driving mm-hmm. revenue right now revenue growth. So.
0: Is this, is this um, done with but it, with Tencent or NetEase? NetEase, right? Mm, yeah, NetEase. Interesting. Okay. NetEase. It's always very interesting. It's to, a great, it is a great game. Yeah. And what I'm always curious about is like, how are you guys working together? And how is that, you know, panning out, given that you have a team in, in California and a team somewhere in China, very different cultures, very different working cultures, very different um, preferences in terms of, of games that you like and play and also very, very different time zones. So um, n- anecdotally, we've heard a lot of very, 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 very interesting stories about how these teams work together. Uh, but if anybody wants to come in and talk about them openly, that would be a very, very, very interesting podcast. Anyways, uh, another game that has- um... Okay, and that, oh,
2: sorry. The, oh, sorry, the final point <laughs> I would make is that even though Diablo has had so much success, Blizzard revenue was, was, was terrible. Mm. And 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 the DAU was terrible for, uh, or the MAU was terrible for the Blizzard uh, uh, Blizzard um, game unit at, at Activision. So mm. regardless of how well Diablo is doing, it's not material for Blizzard because um, NetEase is taking the lion's share of the revenue. Yep. So so this is not this is not going to change the fortunes of Blizzard. I think Blizzard has much more at stake with world of warcraft um overwatch 2 which i think is going to be a disaster and then uh diablo i think is going to be absolutely massive next year mm. if it can come out and
0: how about the other uh, world of warcraft that is that is the uh, the rts game
2: oh the uh the mobile yeah. game yeah that will be the first game that actually blizzard makes on its own right um so we'll see that's a, that's a tough genre to monetize yeah. but uh they have a good ip they
0: should put it on apple arcade just saying it's a perfect fit for that. Yeah, exactly. No, it's,
2: no, no, no. Why, yeah, why Apple? Okay, Netflix put it on Netflix. Well. Right? Drive retention. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. Basically, do, do live ops for free. Yeah. Just, just, just spend as yeah. much money there as you want. A... Build the biggest team possible. Hold and on. And don't generate revenue. Now that them. you said it, there was a – That's an, a good business model. There was
0: an article on, on – like this is so funny. There was an article on GameSpot. I don't know what GameSpot is. Uh, but the article is titled just like that netflix is suddenly kinda great at games that is a excellent excellent <laughs> article it's like it's is it a diss or is it true like what's going on so um so yeah they should yeah. they should put it on netflix because it's kind of great at games <laughs> so um anyways uh no distant to, to to netflix i've been actually playing uh into the breach like uh like an addict, just putting in insane hours. It's a, uh, it's, it's a really, really good game, and they have good games in their selection. Uh, so yeah, Netflix, you're doing, you're kind of great at games. Anyways, uh, Raid Shadow Legends surpasses one billion in lifetime revenue, so massive success with only sixty three million installs. Uh, this game de- de- was developed by a massive team of hundreds of people in mainly Ukraine, uh, with a team, of course, in Tel Aviv because this is Plarium. Uh, and something that I kind of like look at the graphs is uh, they had a 10% decline after the war started, but you know it's a, it's very impressive given how, how catastrophic these effects have been, especially on the studio. I believe it's it's in Kiev, so um, you know congratulations to Plarium, congratulations to to uh, the team behind Raid Shadow Legends, and and best wishes for the team in Ukraine uh, who is working on on Raid. Uh, fantastic job and uh, and um, you know just they're in a in a tough spot so so you know best wishes so that was a little of a bummer but uh should we move to the uh to the uh,
2: rest of the news
1: before you go to articles eric is it you bashing the, eric. the
2: oh keyboard? Uh, sorry
1: dude just mute yourself yeah, or, or man just it's get just a just different, so annoying <laughs> i know i'm the guest so i should shut up yeah still or, or like, just come get on. a different keyboard <laughs> all right i'm muting i'm muting
2: i'm muting <laughs> okay my bad. I got to get a softer keyboard. Just
1: gaming keyboards. Just- oh, or, that's,
0: you know, like you make more awesome. than 100K. I'm sure you can afford a keyboard. And, and you know what? Deconstructor of Fun is happy <laughs> to sponsor not, you with a keyboard. Just pick one from Amazon and we got you, son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways. Get out of here. My keyboard oh. Fuck off. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's <laughs> move on to the uh, the main article. So, this was an interesting one, and this came today, and uh, not today, this week, and everybody was talking about it. So, Google announced a new Play Store policy around intrusive ads, impersonations, and more. Uh, these guidelines become effective in September 30th, so about two months from now, and will outlaw several ad formats when used in unexpected and intrusive ways, potentially impacting hyper casual games and advertisers. Uh, now, prominent analyst and investor, our very own Eric Suford summed up a lot of the reaction to the news when he said on Twitter that the restrictions are absolutely going to kill the hyper-casual gaming category. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> now, for context, for those who are not aware of the size of hyper-casual games, in 2021, uh, this genre was the actually the only one in casual game that grew downloads, reaching nearly 11 billion downloads worldwide in 2021. And in terms of revenue, casual games are estimated to have generated 3.4 billion in ad revenue alone in 2021, which is 13% growth from the year before. So this is nothing to sneeze at, this is a quite significant size of, uh, of a genre. Nevertheless, Google new guidelines around intrusive, ad. intrusive ads are not the ATT style disaster some have predicted, it seems. Other industry experts have weighed in in the following ways. Felix, your boy, uh, an ad monetization (laughs) consultant, said that Google is not just trying to improve the user experience, but is also using these new guidelines to drive adoption of one of its new ad units, the rewarded interstitial. Tangent marketing director, Roman Garbar, said that Google Play's new guidelines will undoubtedly trigger the latest wave of doomsaying from experts that don't actually work closely with hyper casual Mm -hmm. publisher. This is shots fired at Eric Soufford directly. (laughs) Rewarded video. You should have said that (laughs) Eric Soufford is going to comment on this. Now, (laughs) rewarded video is unaffected by the (laughs) new guidelines. It is rewarded video, not interstitials. That's the most lucrative ad format as well as being far more user-friendly. And let's not forget that Google is also in the ad monetization business with AdMob, so introducing overly harsh guidelines on ad monetization would be shooting themselves in the foot. And finally, GameBake CEO and co-founder Michael Hudson said that it's already very tough in competitive market and this is really killing the opportunity for newcomers to come and disrupt things. The bigger and more established players will be the ones to dominate. As they have the networks to be able to scale traffic to games and climb the charts via their own networks, therefore reducing the cost against the competitors. Mate, what do you think?
1: Yeah, well, <clears throat> so I don't think it's that uh, apocalypse, as uh, Eric or whoever said it. I mean, my LinkedIn exploded last week. Uh, everybody said, like, this is the end of the hyper casual games. I mean, you said it also, like, multiple times already, and look at the charts and uh, the companies live and kicking. But, uh, okay, so let's maybe mention like what uh, the guidelines are um, just briefly. So your ads not may not be shown in the following unexpected ways. So the unexpected is still like remains to be seen. Nobody knows what, uh, what it's actually, uh, it should be. So full screen interstitial ads of all formats that shown expe- unexpectedly, typically when the user has chosen to do something else are not allowed then ads that appear during the gameplay at the beginning of the level or during the level or beginning of a next content seg- segment are not allowed. And then full screen video interstitial ads that appear before an app's loading screen are not allowed. This is like interesting uh, placement. And then uh, full screen interstitial ads of all formats that are not closable after 15 seconds. Those are not allowed too. So this policy, as mentioned before, does not apply to rewarded video, which in my opinion is anyway like the, the revenue driver for almost all the unmonetized games. Of course with hyper casual it's like Wait, different.
2: Whoa, 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 stop so we stop there. Yeah. Stop yeah. there. Whoa. Right? Well, okay. Okay. I, I am listening, yeah. just
1: saying. And you have no idea what this no, means. You basically just <laughs> said exactly what
2: okay. I think Eric just said is that this is targeting something, right? and it's not targeting typical in-app purchase games it's targeting hyper casual specifically is that, that that's what you is that not no, what you just said i
1: this was just the guidelines that the google said. so uh, it's targeting mostly interstitials that are shown unexpectedly whatever that means i mean it's just like something that is really disrupting the gameplay of course this is mostly part of the hyper casual monetization okay. strategy I just want to, I, go ahead not, Continue. All, I just, not all not okay. all yeah not all not okay, all yeah, yeah yeah not all because you have the you have the rewarded videos and then it seems like with these news people forgot about the other units which is also like banner ads and to be completely honest I've seen banner ads making a significant portion of the of the game's revenue if it's like mainly ad monetized so what's all the fuss about these effects again the interstitials that are shown unexpectedly that interrupt gameplay so not all of them not all of them what exactly is unexpected we don't know yet and the thing is like all interstitials are anyway closable after 5 seconds so the main problem for hyper casuals could be the the ads that are shown during the gameplay and the up open ads i mean i rarely see those but according to to some uh, people these ads are Super um, powerful in the last six months because, well, they are breaking the, the rules, right? So, usually all the interstitials are shown after the level, which is kind of allowed. And the rewarded videos, again, this is not impacted at all. So, apparently, all these like up open placements they grew quite popular, as I said, with the high CPMs. But the experience is just super shitty. So, all in all, it's nothing so special afterwards because you have different placements it's just a small portion of the interstitial revenue that's going to be impacted and of course we will see the impact but then these hyper casual games and studios those are hustlers man it's just like they're trying to find loopholes every every fucking day to earn more money there you go now you can say if it's a nail, a nail in their coffin but it's actually I, no no
2: I, I i'm not questioning their ability to be completely, you know, devious and dishonest about how they handle hyper casual. Right. I'm not suggesting that they're not going to do everything they can to find the loopholes to build inventory. Right. But it's not for me. It's never been a question of how people respond, you know, whether you cheat with, you know, you know you cheat with you know uh, ip address whatever you do in order to like survive yeah, yeah, yeah. i get it i get it i 100 get it do what you yeah, can of course. right you're, you're, it's a sinking ship right just 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 fucking burn it whatever you can do but whatever what, <laughs> but the fundamental thing that i just keep trying to articulate is that they are coming after you right like the the platforms no longer want these things controlling traffic to their stores and to be to, to muddy up their their platform, right? And so yeah. this seems like a direct attack against hypercasual specifically. That the 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 me- mechanisms by which they are are generating ad te- ad revenue is not okay. Now, not only with with, with Apple, but now with Google out of the, it seems like out of the blue. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Is this been something that's been yeah. coming?
1: There's a the thing like they, the Google is also do they have the, the admob pl- uh, mediation so they actually earn money out of the hyper casuals but in different way so you know like like uh, i think roman mentioned they they would be shooting themselves in the foot if this was uh, like a direct attack i i mean it is an attack of course but if if it was a direct attack then they would just you know destroy the whole uh, interstitial placement Got it. that's Got it. it and you know and there is the motivation there is the motivation from from google that they have this new ad format, which is called a Rewarded Interstitial, which is in the beta for, I think, six months. And now, with this policy, they are trying to push uh, the new okay. placement as well. I mean,
2: so, it's, so, there you so go. So, what yeah. the fuck does Voodoo do, right? Like, uh, you know, they'll find up some other devious way of going around this and they'll just plug that hole. Right? 100%. I mean, like, yeah, 100%. Okay. Th- th- this is all, it's the motivation that I'm really concerned about. And, and, the, and the reason yeah. that no matter what news comes out it's like these ad tech guys are absolutely screwed you know like it's gonna be hard for them to survive in the same way they have for the last seven years and it's just getting worse and worse you
1: know yeah but isn't that the gaming industry i mean it's not it's it's evolving platforms
2: platforms exist so oh yeah certain platforms but microsoft and sony have made it and and even steam like these platforms Exist because of content providers and and and, and con- yeah, and so they want them to be successful, right? It's not like as you know what I mean. It's like they're mutually beneficial. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and and but that's not what's happening with these platforms. These, the uh, the even uh, particularly Apple, but Google as well. Now, I think Google is being smart because they're basically reinforcing their own uh, business potentially, yep. and, and so is Apple to some degree. So Google seems to be a little bit better at how at managing this um, and not screwing over the in-app purchase, like the, the typical publisher. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I would say that this is another, I wouldn't say this is the nail in the coffin, but I would say another nail in the coffin okay. for uh, hyper casual. It's like fucking, they do not like hyper casual. They hate fucking hyper casual. They've lost control of their store. They've lost control of their traffic. They, it's a yeah. terrible user experience. Yeah. They're probably, you know, worried about kids like losing their minds.
1: Yeah, not not know. all those, those games are terrible experience. But yeah, most of them is definitely poor experience. For me,
2: that's the only conclusion you can draw from this is that now Google is getting into the fray of like promoting their own ad networks and then also destroying companies that that they don't like. Right. And so what's next, like Social Casino? Gambling, they fucking hate gambling, right? Like, why don't they go after that too? You know, next social casino. Stop. Yeah, you know, I don't know. They, Who knows, right?
1: They make more money yeah, out of that. Exactly.
0: That's to that's to a big casino. part. And and to to be fair, like these <laughs> ads, <laughs> these intrusive ads are horrible, especially if you have kids. Like I have been talking so many times. Oh yeah, Like If 10%. you have a kid, talking Tom is the worst thing that you can install. Like it's so bad. Like, and, and I'm sorry, outfit seven. I I don't mean the game, how it's designed and the game is probably fun and well-made, but the intrusive ads you're showing to five-year-olds and the drama it causes in a household is like, it's horrific. So, so I'm down for this Apple and Google just sit on these guys, just just make them stop. (laughs) I'd rather pay them than see those ads.
1: There is one hack Mishka. Come on. Just, Turn off the internet and you're fine. There you go. You won't see any ads and you can play the games. That's, that's pretty smart. simple. Simple as <laughs> that.
0: You're smarter there than you I am.
1: <laughs> um, all right. Moving, moving on. on.
2: Okay. Um, all right. Rockstar Games cleaned up its frat boy culture and Grand Theft Auto 2 is the headline. And this is from Schreier at Bloomberg, who I have mad respect for. Um, you know, he basically said that he interviewed over 20 people, ex-rock star, uh, and it was kind of kind of a sense of a follow-up piece from his article about the crunch that they had during the Red, Red, Red Dead Redemption Day, in which everyone was working too hard. It was it was horrific. Frat boy culture, blah 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 blah. All the all the like negative like you know thing tropes about uh, video game development, which probably is all true. I mean, from my perspective, Rockstar has always been that way, but I don't know. Um, but the article is kind of is like how they're cleaning up the game and also the culture at Rockstar. So first, the details of the new game were actually very interesting and very exciting for the uh, fans of GTA, right? They're going to have two pro- protagonists. One is going to be a female Latina. Um, and the other is that they're it's going to be in Miami, so back to Vice City. And they're going to do expansions outside of... Miami, uh, going forward. So a s- smaller area at first and then, and expand it later. Um, they are, oh, and there's going to have more interiors in the game, which is kind of cool. I don't know if you ever played GTA, but the interior is pretty limited. Like only your, I think apartments and your, um, stores and casino, et cetera. All right. Um, so, and then, uh, so that's how their the game is, is, that's the details around the game. But the changes that they're making supposedly to the culture is that they are going to remove crunch. They're going to basically have a longer development schedule, right? Um, they uh, got, I, I got this all turned around here. Um, sorry. <laughs> they're gonna, <laughs> sorry. They're going to reinvent itself for a more progressive and compassionate workplace. And they, um, and they basically are going to remove some of the toxic people that were caused. Co- sorry, this is going to change the culture. They're going to remove some of the toxic people that were abusive, uh, narrow the gender gap pay, uh, mental health lead benefits and flex time. So if you work overtime, then you get, uh, you know, uh, extra time off for hours worked and then reduce crunch time, generally speaking. So basically overall trying to fix the culture so that they have better time of retention and, and better ability to recruit. Um, and then. On the on the game side, the changes that they're making, they are basically kind of removing some of the really kind of uh, egregious things like transphobic jokes and um, obviously adding the new prot- protagonist helps a lot. Um, they're not going to punch down making jokes about marginalized groups, which if you actually listen and watch or play uh, GTA, particularly some of the older ones, some of it's pretty tough to listen to, honestly, like given today's, uh, um, you know, uh, Expectations, I suppose. So anyway, they're going to try to clean that up a, a bit to make it more uh, digestible for a broader audience. So anyway, it's a very interesting article. Schreier is a great writer. He does his homework. I, I don't imagine anything he's saying on this is untrue by by, by any means. But I guess my take on this, and, and as, as 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 the cynic that I am, this this feels like almost a corporate PR piece, right? Because, uh, you know. Making changes to culture is fucking hard and it takes a long time. And and the one thing about Rockstar is it's so fucking insular. Like you don't know anything about Rockstar. They do their own thing, right? They live their own world. They have no oversight from a publisher. You know, Strauss, he may be ripped and shredded, right? But he has no fucking idea what is happening at Rockstar on a, on a daily day-to-day basis. He has no idea when games are coming. He has no idea about what marketing beats they're going to do. He doesn't even know what the features of GTA is going to be, right? Um, so, so... What was that? <laughs> sorry? Um, so it's like they've been they've been living this culture for so long, there's just no way this changes over the last. Like, this is in, since like 2018, 2019. So I I find that hard to believe. So yes, throwing this stuff out there makes sense, but the piece itself wasn't wasn't critical on the other side. So what exactly is there evidence that they've changed this culture, right? Like what parts of the culture has changed? They they mentioned a few like policy changes, right? But for instance, have they changed anything in GTA V to make it more politically correct? No, not at all. Not that I know of, right? Not that they it. Anyway, whatever. Um, so I, this was a little bit more, uh, less objective, I think, than, than other pieces that Schreier has done in the past, right? I, he didn't say the other side of it, to me, in my view, anyway. Um, and clearly, this game is not coming out anytime soon. That's one thing to be sure. Like, anybody that... A lot of investors think it's coming out next year, uh, next fiscal year, which is basically you know, calendar 23, no fucking way, right? 4, 24, 25, I, maybe, right? Um, and then the other thing that's a little bit more political and I don't wanna go into this too much because I know I'm gonna get myself into big, huge trouble is that he, he described what GTA is very succinctly. It is a nihilistic parody that throws insults at everybody, right? Um, it's basically a parody on urban culture in America, specifically, right? And, and sometimes I worry about sanitizing this kind of art, if you want to call it art, which I, I would call it art. Uh, it's similar to not like, allowing comedians to be comedians, you know, about pop culture and, and criticizing what's happening in this world. Like, I think something is lost if you're like, totally sanitizing these sorts of expressions, you know? <laughs> And I, I worry about that that GTA will no longer be GTA. Like, you know, a lot of, the, a lot of the people were talking about GTA goes woke and all this other crap. You know, I, I don't think it's that extreme, but it's really a question about whether or not uh, the experience of GTA loses its kind of like appeal. But maybe, maybe they can find a delicate balance of not doing the most egregious things, but also being kind of a parody on, on, on pop culture. We will see. Um, you know, create some kind of balance um anyway that's kind of my take it's a, it's a decent article to read i I'm very excited to see what these guys do for gta um it it is one of the most epic pieces of content that is created on a regular basis for gaming in general and this last one has just you know I think one hundred and sixty five million installs or something insane like I think everyone in the free world that's eighteen forty four has played this fucking game mm. but um uh, anyway, any any other comments? I
3: have two comments. Uh, first, I, I absolutely Laura. think you can. There is a balance to be. Oh,
2: no, you're muted, Laura. No, she's uh, not.
3: I'm not muted.
1: You can't hear me. No, you're yeah, you're fine. You're fine.
3: Is this is this supposed <laughs> yeah, to be like a frat boy joke? <laughs>
1: Oh
3: so i think there's definitely you can strike a balance between being tongue-in-cheek and, and making kind of political uh political jokes in a way that's not insulting so i feel like that i would take that as their challenge like how do you how do you reinvent it so that you have the you kind of you kind of have the the not the cringe but you're able to comment on the political landscape without doing it in a way that's going to that's going to be producing any sort of hate. Or I think I, I, there's absolutely a way. I think they'll be able to do it. I had a little peek at the article too, but I agree with you. Changing culture is incredibly difficult. And there was one, there was one line that was, can a kinder, gentler rock star still produce the chart-topping caliber of game the studio has become known for? Some employees are not sure. And this stuck out to me because I think that's part of the problem still. If there's a mindset that kindness or... Uh, any sort of approach that's that's uh, founded in kind of equality that can't produce success, how can they fundamentally make a change in culture there? I, I think that's going to be their that that's going to be the challenge they're really going to have to address is is if the if the people that work for you really think that this is a it's going to be very difficult to find success if you can't be a certain way, um, that's going to be much harder to change. So I'm curious to see how this all hands
1: out i just have only like one question because
0: uh more of a cultural question uh,
1: wrap my head around it. like it, yeah yeah. is this fred boy culture like typical for u.s because i'm not sure if we see that in u EU, um europe that much or Frater- we don't even have
0: fraternities
3: we just that's have funny secret clubs they're, like, based yeah, off of true. Greek. Yeah. Like, the whole thing yeah. is, like, Greek letters. <laughs> I mean, yeah. from my experience, there is a frat boy culture for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a company, I think, yeah. that also a long time ago was had a, a similar frat boy culture. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was, like... Uber? Kickst- no.
0: Kick-Sci? kick Kick-Sye? Kick-Sye. Kick-Sye. Ooh... <laughs> Kicksaw was, oh, wow. was next Ooh, level. Shots fired. Shots fired. Shots fired. Shots fired.
1: Oh. <laughs> this guy is, <this> is an <laughs> animal. He's an animal, <laughs> he's an animal dude.
0: Those are facts. I can't even go Love into it. details. Uh, but uh, not on this podcast, <laughs> you Laura. You're absolutely right. <laughs> um, um, I want to I actually make a point. So, um, you know, Grand Theft Auto <laughs> is a game about stealing cars and killing innocent people. I personally remember the the first GTA that I played, GTA 1, and it was insane. It was the top-down version where you were just driving over people and they left like these blood yeah. stains everywhere and then you we as as you know as young kids try to survive as long as possible by massacring as many people as possible because the more you massacred the more police came and then you start shooting the police and they came with helicopter this is yeah. the type of game they're making so now people are like wow we didn't know that maniacs were making this game and the company that is called rockstar and people are like hmm what kind of people work at rockstar <laughs> and i wonder how do they work and then they're like yeah it's a really toxic broish culture where they where they do crazy things like really how did that happen so 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 oh, but i think i think Laura and, and I remember raised the uh the great point of like what happened if the game goes pc or you know woke like what happens to the core player is that a risk because there's a certain type of game that we expect to have it's a it's a violent Nihilistic, however you want to put it, you can put an artsy t- stuff on it, but you, but it is, these are violent games. These are games where, where we remember them because they're so over the top with everything like Tarantino movies, that, that type of a violence. And it's a risk, but on the other hand, like, I think Riot has had similar type of issue with their culture. And I believe that that based on what we're seeing and the success that they're having, they've clearly gone through this cultural transformation quite effectively, where it feels like they've almost broadened their player base and are even more successful now than before when they were much more um, bro-ish or um, what do you call it, um, uh, fratty. <laughs> so, am I am I wrong? <laughs>
2: I don't know, man. I I I, I I'm. I have some experience with uh, people interviewing at Rockstar, and if, like if you were not a certain type of person, like they didn't want you. Yeah. Like if you and and, and I don't mean to be too. Um, well, whatever. I'll just say what I would think is that, like I had guys who were interviewing for marketing positions, and they were like dads, you know. I mean, relatively conservative liberal, mm-hmm. I guess, but they interviewed and they're like, there's no, you're not a cultural no. fit. Right, because you're too nice. Yeah. you know, you got to be part of that like urban culture, and so they, 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 and and they, and they specifically said this. It wasn't some like kind of like surprise. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Tough, to, yeah, it wasn't tough to figure out. Right, they were like very. I kept, I'm blanking on the word yeah. use, but they they were very like specific about it. And uh, and I, I and as I said earlier, is like I don't think that changes in three years. I think there's no effing way and. Because they're insular, they do whatever they want to do. They don't have anybody pushing them. It's not like like Take Two coming in with like legions of consultants, you know, HR consultants coming in and changing policies and 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 management style. Like that's not happening, right? It's all internal, right? And so, like, if you have no one pushing you, it's really hard to make those changes. It's kind of what my point was going to be. Um, and then back to the GTA thing, like. Yeah, GTA is a, is a is a horrific game in a lot of ways from a perspective of violence and against everybody, right? Um, so, you know, it's it that is what it is, right? That 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 is the the
1: the, the that's the GTA. It's in that the name of the of, the, the, of, the, the, of the, the game. GTA, rem- GTA, that's it. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and so uh, sorry, I don't want to go into a long rant on this, but like I, I the only time I actually spoke to people in my middle school about gaming. I said, specifically, the game that you do not want your children to play is Grand Theft Auto, because it's like a murder simulator. Right. And I went on and on and on about this. Right. And then three years later, during the pandemic, (laughs) my daughter, who is like was 13 or something at the time, starts playing GTA with her friends from school. Right. And and she's basically playing the murder simulator. So I I felt like a complete hypocrite. But it was the only way she could get together with her friends. But what was really crazy was that her outfit was so horrendous. Like it was like, my wife was mortified. She walked in and she had like the six inch heels. She had the, like the, the, uh, the bustier with a, with a, uh, a, uh, a tattoo that said born in the USA on her chest. It was like absolutely horrific. And she was like mortified. But, um, but anyway, uh, clearly, you know, my, uh, I don't have a lot of uh. And and I, I let her play. That's the only way she can hang out with her friends. So you know, just to it, it is what it is.
0: Just to kind of like finalize on on uh, on Rockstar. They also have a culture where it, what happens at Rockstar you don't talk about that, and there's not a well, lot yeah. of stories of of what really goes on. And you know, luckily we're <laughs> we're in the in the sphere where we hear a lot of stories. And and um, the stuff that I've heard is like. Frat Boy is a really, really great way to um to characterize it, but just you have to also put it in a way that they're rich Frat Boys and what happens in that type of a culture, uh where everything mm-hmm. is possible and all you do is games and all you do are games about violence. Now imagine what happens at those workplaces. So uh the stuff that um that uh, yeah, it's the stuff that I've heard from, from ex rock star people is is you know you can write a book and people would have a lot of fun reading it unless you know this is written in polygon and then people would be just like oh my god what but anyways um let's talk about how to make a good free to play game
3: do we do we have time
0: we always have time
3: we always have time so there was a well actually to be fair, rockstar can just follow this advice and then they don't have to worry just it's it's yeah. easy three easy steps so
0: it's it's on pocket gamer
3: <laughs> so, it's on po- so a LinkedIn post was picked up by Pocket Gamer, and it was a recipe to make a successful game according to Chase Shur. Um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but um, and he defines success uh, for at least for free-to-play mobile games as a coherent experience where gameplay and monetization are tightly intertwined. Um, basically, design you know design monetization as part of your core loop and the core integration, and I think his main gripe is that he's seeing monetization as an afterthought and and not considered as part of the original design. And he gives us three kind of easy steps on on how to avoid this. So, at least from a product manager's point of view. First, product managers should understand design, uh, make sure there's emotional value, makes complete sense. Um, Two, Build the game with longevity for a target audience. Um, and he makes a comment that the game needs to be clearly themed, scalable, and sustainable. I think that's that's sensible. And, and the last point that is the the three things to, to make a successful game is design the monetization, not the shop. And all of this should be considered from the start. Consider the business model early, and the incentive to pay is deeply rooted in the economy and game systems. So, all in all, I completely agree. I think with, with what he writes is it makes complete sense. I'm glad he wrote it. However, I was having a little chat on the side with, with Adam about this. It is a little bit vague. And I think while well-intentioned, I don't know how anyone can actually act on this yeah. advice. Uh, the philosophy behind this on how to make great games is, is, is kind of easy to say, ah, yeah, you just need to do X, Y, and Z. And then you, know, you, got, you got golden yeah. goose pooping out you know, golden eggs. It's great. Um, but I think yeah. where what differentiates mediocre games from great games and games that make money is the execution. You need you need to kind of be able to ex- understand what this is and actually be able to execute it. Um, and I also think what he's not crediting enough as like there's a huge there's a huge advantage when you're first to market. I think the timing plays a really big part of this. And I it's it's easier to stay relevant uh, when you're already relevant than it is to become relevant. And I, I think I wish he had called that called that out. But again, no no not throwing him shade. I, I mean, I don't think he could sit down and actually write a post saying, "Here's how I would design a game because that's obviously yeah. company secrets." But um but this but I think actually what, what made, this made me think of was I was once in an interview, um, I was being interviewed, and the interviewer was, was convinced that there was a recipe for creating a successful game. Literally, there was like a math formula. You just follow this formula and it'll output like an answer that is your, your successful game. And I started thinking, like, I mean, I didn't agree with him, and obviously, I, I didn't, I didn't get, I did not get the job. <laughs> um, and then I was like, well, if I was going to write a crazy <laughs> formula that that was going to try to output what a successful game would be, I mean, I tried to write a really crappy one. I'm not a mathematician, but the amount of things you have to consider as inputs is at, is just is more than the three steps that I think Chase mentions. Mm. And I think this point, I mean, anyway, I didn't. I think that overall, I'm glad he wrote it, but like there's, there's so many more things that go into what, what would make a game successful. Um, and, I, and I wish he had, he had gone like, I would have loved to see him go one step deeper and call out things like how does, how the, how does the selection of core, how to, where does the market, the current market landscape look like based on what you're doing? How many other similar games are there? Um, how big is your target audience? What do the CPIs look like? Do you have cross promo? Um, what time of year are you releasing? Uh, what other network effects are you going to have? Are you releasing on, on all platforms? Then you get a plus two multiplier or times two multiplier. But if you only have one, then it's not, you don't get the same multiplier. How many bugs and crashes are you releasing with? Um, and then I think I wish he had gone like at least one, one level deeper. Um, and I think yeah. Just just to kind of wrap up this, I think again it goes down to the execution, and I think a really elegant execution is is actually where the money is.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned the CPIs and the the market and target audience and the potential reach. That's mm-hmm. what I miss in that post because of course, like creating a successful game is all about the the CPI LTV equation anyway. I mean, you need to look at both yeah. sides.
0: Actually, Laura, <sighs> now that you were talking about it, I I, I remembered that. She's um he's on our LinkedIn. So I just pinged him and invited him to uh to to on a on a podcast episode to discuss his three points in more depth. Uh so um yeah, he's a tell him to bring seven interest. more
3: points. And then we can
0: yeah, we can
1: yeah. I want ten yeah, points. Seven more points. No, more, no concrete. more points.
0: Let's just go deeper into into <laughs> each point and I um, hope Chase yeah. Chase says yes.
1: Really but, <laughs>
2: And I, yeah, you have to give him somewhat of a pass. This is a LinkedIn oh, article,
0: yeah, yeah. you
1: know?
2: it's like he's, he can't write. He can't write a novel. Yeah, yeah. Write about game oh, design. But, you uh, could. Uh, I, could. I looked at his background. You can. Uh, I've seen uh, it. You can. Yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked at his background. He's actually worked on some great games. Yeah. I think he worked at, uh, on Star Trek um, uh, at 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 Scope.
0: Well,
1: yeah. Let's put that in the yeah, LinkedIn post. Yeah, and I you know, believed that he's running the
0: game. Was it Game Bakery newsletter? Uh, and um, they have a really, really great breakdowns of especially games that are really big in Asia, um, in, in the Chinese, and, and uh, I think mainly in the Chinese market. So, so de- definitely, like I just want to say, like there's no there's no shade thrown at Chase because this was a post on LinkedIn that Pocket Gamer in no, no. their. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Shout out to Pocket Gamer. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they they picked it up yeah. and made it into Journalism an article without adding anything on top of it. So uh, so so yes. Um, but but Chase would it be great to have you on the podcast to discuss all these elements that we raise in more in depth and um, and hear your thoughts because you have worked on some amazing games. So you must have a lot of really great insights. And this is just a summary. But I'm sure he can go much deeper into each of the uh, the verticals. Well. I think that's a positive right. note to end this episode, Twig go. 194. Nice. Yeah. And, yeah, and just, just positive, for, the, uh, yeah. for the, like, I had to bump nice. Ethan out of this podcast because I wasn't supposed to come in on this episode. And Mate, <laughs> since he's a guest star, requested that I'll be on this podcast episode. He said, I'm not doing it unless you're on it as well. So I had to come in. And, uh, and sorry, Ethan, for bumping you. <laughs> So.
1: yeah i will post and i will uh, yeah i will post a poll uh into the dof slack channel uh, if uh this podcast has, a, has better vibe when the mishka is on vibe. when he's off actually so let's no, see no you shouldn't uh,
0: um of course. anyways thank you very much <laughs> eric kress all the best on your uh lampoon tour of europe <laughs> uh and i'm sure
2: i'll have some stories you, you'll
0: have some stories I'm, I'm especially waiting the monaco stories because that is like if like I'm I'm this is this is the one and um and Laura enjoy the london of of you, of 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 uh, of us <laughs> get some starbucks and um stay away from the downtown <laughs> And Mate, I've are just, you in
3: I just put yeah. my order in for Starbucks as my as I walk to work
0: <laughs> yeah. C- Correct There you and go, go. Monte are nice. you in in Slovak Slovakia
1: Slovakia. Slovakia. Slovakia.
0: Never been, uh... not planning to go, but it's a great country.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's fine.
0: (laughs) Um, All right. On that note, I think we disrespected everybody. So we hear from you next week. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys.
1: Catch you next time.